0: Federal prosecutors have charged eight individuals in a massive cybercrime operation that involved hacking into payment card processors' networks, manipulating prepaid debit cards, and withdrawing $45 million from ATMs worldwide. Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Kim Peretti. She's a partner with a law firm of Alston & Bird but previously was a prosecutor with the U.S. Department of Justice and has experience in cases just like this. Kim, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You're welcome, Tom. Thanks for inviting me. So, Kim, here you are
0: sort of on the outside looking in as a former prosecutor. Based on what you see about this case, what are your immediate reactions to the investigation and the indictments that were announced just earlier this week?
1: Well, my immediate reaction is, is is that it is not a new scheme. Um, it could be a variation of, of an older scheme that we have seen happen, you know, approaching 15, 20 times since 2008. And in my experience with some of the, the more sophisticated cyber hacking groups, specifically out of Eastern Europe, this is the, one of the more sophisticated schemes, one of the more dangerous schemes, because it involves the ability to get in the system, in the financial systems and the manipulate information manipulate the the transaction limits the withdrawal limits and essentially create money where money didn't exist before that's one aspect that's very significant and another aspect is how quickly these groups these criminal organized criminal groups can can mobilize people on every continent in cities across the globe and sort of give them marching orders in a very coordinated short time period to hit ATMs at the same time and withdraw money.
0: Kim, from your experience, what has to go wrong with payments processors and banks for these schemes to go right
1: You know, and I I don't have an answer for that. I've been in many discussions over time with this particular scheme of how it can happen. There's variation on it. I don't think anyone has figured out exactly how to prevent it having certain flags and controls on particular cards to ensure that, you know, very much in real time there's, there's notification if a lot of transactions happen. I mean, I think financial institutions do have a lot of those fraud controls, fraud detection controls in place. But like I said, I don't think there's a silver bullet of how to prevent this, and it certainly has been a topic of discussion among law enforcement and others for some time.
0: Well, I want to ask you about law enforcement. You've got experience in international law enforcement and prosecuting cases similar to these. What can you tell us about the sophistication of these caching crews and what investigators have to do to get to them?
1: Well, first of all, I just want to commend the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn, the Eastern District of New York, and the Secret Service for pulling this off. These are very, very complex and difficult international investigations. And this particular one, the U.S. Attorney's Office has said they worked with law enforcement authorities in 16 foreign countries on different continents, and I can't emphasize enough how Time-consuming that is, how difficult it can be. There's translation, there's different laws, there's different processes in place, and and this is really remarkable law enforcement investigatory work on the scale. It requires coordination. It requires you know really difficult um, you know conveying difficult under, you know understanding of information. So it's it's really to be commended at how they worked with so many different countries.
0: So, Kim, you prosecuted the Albert Gonzalez case, and a point you made to me before we started this discussion was that that was a, a scheme that unfolded over time. What we're seeing now is something that has happened very quickly. What's the difference?
1: Yeah, and and we saw sort of a difference in the Gonzalez group and related conspiracies and this particular group or group of individuals, very different MOs. Gonzalez was interested in getting large and his crews were interested in staying in systems over time, getting large volumes of credit and debit card information and reselling that information. In some ways, I think they aspired to be more like this other group that we see that is able Able to get into systems and select a few number of prepaid cards, get the pins to those cards, and distribute them to global cashing crews because those are so much more profitable than having to go through the cycle of reselling all the numbers. If you can get the pins, you can you go to ATMs and withdraw money very quickly. So um, they were very different, had very different purposes to their conspiracies, and in some ways I consider the one that we've, we're seeing now, this particular one, to be more advanced.
0: Let me ask, as a former prosecutor, what are the questions that you want answered now?
1: Well, I think with each one of these that happens, you know, working together, bringing law enforcement, the financial services sector together to see is there any... Continuing ability to get advanced warning about this. Is there any, any loopholes we've seen from these particular attacks that we can ensure to get information out to the, to, to the sector so that this can't happen again? I mean, often the criminals do, you know, use the same methods, tactics, and, and techniques. So if there's anything we can learn from this to be able to prevent a similar attack in the future, we just gotta keep picking away at it.
0: Kim, we've seen other cash-out schemes, even as, as recently as this year. How does what we're seeing unfold right now match up with cybercrime trends that you're paying attention to in your role with Alston and Bird?
1: I, I mean, this one, the ante is higher again. They're, they've been able to get more money out of systems. You know, if I look back into 2008, 2009, it was – two million dollars in 30 minutes it was nine million dollars in 24 hours to get to the tens of millions of dollars is is certainly an upward trend and their you know capacity to bring on that many more people or hit that many more ATMs in a shorter time period so it, it sort of is in line with the natural evolution we're seeing of increasing sophistication in this area
0: so Kim, a final question for you. Given the increasing sophistication you're seeing in cyber crimes, what advice do you offer to financial institutions now? What they, can they do to better protect themselves and make themselves aware of the schemes that potentially are targeting them?
1: And even though we are seeing these schemes, I, I would say that the financial services sector continues to be very advanced in this area of, of bringing in threat intelligence, of how these attacks are occurring and incorporating that into their security models um, And in some ways that's that's industry leading practices so to continue with bringing in threat intelligence and threat modeling as a protective measure understanding the threat working together as an industry sharing information all of which we've seen happen so far to date just need to increase to continue and enhance that
0: Do cases like these make you miss your days with the Department of Justice?
1: (laughs) Of course, there gets you know. I was my first reaction was just when I had seen the CBS report of of just pure excitement, um, and reached out to former colleagues and investigators um, of just you know any time that they can arrest some of the individuals involved, it's a victory for us. So I was very happy about this particular um, these particular arrests.
0: Kim, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for reaching out, Tom.
0: I've been talking with Kim Peretti, partner with Alston & Byrd, LLP. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.